I saw a new cord today. It's a hint. It's not a ruining. It doesn't matter. I'm cutting this out because you've you've smited me. <sighs> okay. Oh wow, that is good. It's still a little fuzzy. I'm hearing some fuzz. Oh, that's because it's from yeah. Okay. Guess what, guys? This isn't in a third track. Oh, this is now over. Yeah. This is now over the ten-second copyright. By the way, you gotta yeah, turn it down. We're getting this episode pulled right away. <laughs> Ooh, I can control the volume from the iPad instead of the Zoom. Yeah. Wow. We gotta at least let it get into the into the lyrics. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Wow. What I'm watching right now, by the way. Green and Lewis. No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Apple Music does karaoke mode automatically, yeah. which is not the best thing. But oh, but I'm very excited about that, and I didn't even have to buy this cord. You had this cord. It turns out I didn't have to buy the other one that I never returned. Oh, either. Huh. Because I did a little house cleaning today, and I found that I already had stolen this cord from a place of previous employment. Thanks, boop and boop. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, see, I got to get a soundboard app on the iPad now so that we can actually do the boops. I think it's more fun to do boops. You vocal booth, Bo- oh. vocal boop, oh, yeah, boy. vocal boop, yeah, yeah. So now, uh, so we can we can say pull it up, pull, pull it up, pull, pull it up, pull it up. We're gonna pull, do pull. some pull them up, James. Oh my god, I get to live my best life as Wendy Williams. Oh, I can't wait, and I get to live my best life as Joe Rogan. That's, gonna, a, that's a detente from hell, is what. That <laughs> is. <laughs> We're gonna have to get a splitter for this cable so we can run double iPad. Oh, I think that would be great. that would be. Do people really just want us to listen to us going, like, tapping buttons real hard back and forth? I mean, hey, listen, man. We have been talking a lot of art on this podcast the last couple of episodes. I know. We've had themes and things to discuss, but here we are tonight. I think we're... You always say it, but it's like, we're due for a bad one. And I'm like, baby, we're going down swinging today. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Should I put on Fallout Boy? (laughs) No. Because it'll cut into, like, Pete Pete Buckgay going, like, my fellow Americans. And you're like, fuck off. Yeah, but I'm excited about that, so we can pull some stuff up. But yeah, we don't have anything. We don't have any fucking topic tonight. We are returning we? to our roots of what we do best. I mean, do you want to? You know, talking about errands. It's Easter Sunday, Easter Saturday. We can talk about. You know, we can proselytize like the people screaming into megaphones outside of my place of employment today. Was that really happening outside of the the center? Yes. What were they talking about? I don't know. Repent, and you think you're fine, but you're all sinners. And I was like, yeah. And wow, so they were like those Baptist people that yeah. go to the funerals. It was weird. Yeah. God it, hates fags people. Well, whatever. they didn't do it at me. Someone tried to give me a pamphlet and I went, <laughs> Oh. That's it, fascinating when that happens in New York. That seems like a very Queens phenomenon. It seems like shit pops off in Queens with the with the more conservative New Yorkers. They like to make a scene at the Cheesecake yeah. Factory. Mm-hmm. They like to proselytize at the mall. 
dude, I don't know. I gotta get out. I gotta get out so bad. No, it's okay. You you live amongst the real Americans. Staten Island and Queens, the only real boroughs. Uh, one could argue uh, avenues in Brooklyn are, you know, more America, more Americana than. I mean, than they're some. more Israel than anything else. <sighs> Can you play the womp, womp, womp sound, please? I don't have the soundboard, sorry. Oh, fuck. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> for, for tonight, this is going to be purely for musical accoutrement okay. and YouTube videos. Oh, That's boy. pretty much all we got. Huh. All right. Interesting. I'll have to, you know, to rack my brain, have some, you know, documents forming in the background. Um, oh, I'm so excited that we can play songs now. I think we should ditch our old intro music and little outro sound and just go in and out on songs. You uh, know, again, whatever the vibe of the episode is. So what's the, I mean, the vibe is Sympathy for the Devil today? Well, that was Gimme Shelter. Is that the name of the oh, album? Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. We no. already discussed my brain this. Is, my brain's a little, I'm, I'm a little um, worn out. Yeah, me too. M- my brain is, you know, like, hey, we did 44. We're done now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I worked a six-day week this week. And, you know, that'll really set you back in terms of what you have to catch up on. Right. So I had a breakneck day of, like, God, do everything today so yeah. that I get one day off. One day in of two rest. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I did do. So how much you owe in taxes? You know, I did okay, actually. Hmm. I'm going to get a return oh. of 200 ish dollars to in the teens 217 or something that's not like terrible that. no it's not bad my saving grace was moving expenses right. i forgot that you get to write, you get to write all off. of it off what it made me regret is that i didn't actually get a u-haul and bring all my stuff back because i would have gotten a lot of money for that because a u-haul one way from cleveland to new york is about a thousand dollars whereas my gas and other related expenses was only like 300 right um that's not where all the 200 dollars came from but that's where the majority the came from you can also just claim it for, oh no, wait a minute. Now nah, you can only do it when you have two simultaneous state returns. That's how they know that you've moved. Right. So I can't like in a following year be like, oopsie, I did my U-Haul a year later. Can what I? did you claim the U? Oh, because you didn't. You only took a U-Haul one way. Yeah. Well, I can only do it for. First of all, I moved the first time in 2020, so that tax season's done and gone. Right. And the other thing is, you can only do it on the way to your new job. Oh, not on the way away from not having a job and then still not having a job in the government's eyes. You haven't really been a productive member of society. So you don't get any treats. Yeah. You don't get any tax treats for that one. Tax treats. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, it wasn't as bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought, actually. Although I think I really fucked up. Well, I got dinged pretty bad because I was like the health insurance thing, the mandate for having health insurance. Uh huh. I was one month shy of being allowed oh, okay. because you have you have to have it for at least half the year. Right. And since I started my job in July and your benefits don't kick in till August, I only had it for oh. five months. So I got the penalty for having no insurance. What is it? 20 bucks? No, it's a couple hundred. I think what? it's $300. Or Jesus like fuck. But if it wasn't for that, I would have actually gotten like an actual decent return. Huh. Because, you know, at my new job... My new job that is now old. Right. I wasn't sure, like, with the withholding of taxes. I feel like you just never know how that's going to work. Right. Like, you know what whether you select zero or one on the form or whatever. Right. But your employer's accounting kind of, I think, makes it depend. Because I always select the same thing. I, th- I forget whether it's one or zero. It's just you, 
whatever your score is when you add up your dependents and all that bullshit, it's boring. There's a new way to do the math because they don't just do zero or one. You have to actually enter in how much you think you're going to make in that year. <sighs> and I'm like, excuse me. Or no, it tells you what it tells you what number to do and then subtract X. I was like, I didn't go to school for math. I put a one or a zero. Yeah, well, maybe that's the reason why. I'm not really sure. But I just assumed I wouldn't get a lot of money back from my normal W-2 job because in the past, I never really did. It was always very neutral. Right. And no, turns out a a lot got kept out of my paycheck. So that was unexpected and benefited me, which was nice. It's a good cushion if something else happens that you're like, oops. Well, and it's also nice because I think most of my return came from New York State. Because I think the right. state takes out like way too many taxes. They or withhold too much, and they're or like, maybe Oops. the businesses that ac- do your tax accounting lean towards offering more to the state initially. I don't know why, but it was the know. state return that really saved me because I owed money in Ohio, obviously, because I left yeah. the state and made money in other states, and then the federal return was right on the line of making or losing it. Right, and then so after paying the exorbitant fee for TurboTax two days before the deadline. Yeah. Which was $300. <gasps> yeah. It's $199 just to do it this late, and then it's 50 for each state return. So oh, that wiped my federal return completely, shit. and then I owed Ohio money, and then the $200 like came from moving expenses and whatever remained of the state return in New York. So I'm getting something. It's not nothing. That's nice. Um, I thought I was going to owe $1,000 or more. I thought I was going to owe closer to two, honestly. But you can always fuck around huh. with it, you know, allegedly, if the yeah. IRS is listening. You can you can fidget enough. Uh, Not really. You can't really fidget all that much. Well, I didn't have a lot of leeway this time because I don't have a studio anymore. So you can't right. do the thing of, oh, I'm a freelance and I just do all these separate things. But, right. You know, the moving expenses category, that gave me a couple little boxes to be like, eh, about this much. Sure, yeah. yeah. You're like, I don't have those receipts. You just watch that number like go up or down. And you're like, that's actually You don't how like much. go through all of your like I do it ish, but I round it, you know. But I do you go through all the statements and be like, This is this category, this is this category, this is this category? I do do that when I when I did the freelance schedule C shit, I really feel like I shouldn't talk about this on a podcast, but mm. when I did the schedule she- C statute, shit statute of limitations, what is it? Seven years? I have no idea. Um, yes, I did used to do that because there's a lot of categories for freelancers to write things off. This, right. this time I only had like five boxes. So yeah, I did go through my statements and I was like, okay, that was the day I moved. Here's the two tanks of gas. Right. That's pretty much yeah, all yeah. I've got, you know? And mm-hmm. then I can make up a little bit like, like, oh, I paid for the boxes at Home Depot or whatever, you know? Just find a Home Depot. Little piddly yeah. shit here yeah. and there. And you have to just get, get it up to a number where it crosses you over into the green. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I uh, never have that problem. I just go, yes, give me my my money, and can we make this uh, go up a little bit more? This is really boring. Can we talk about something yes, else? Yes, absolutely. Okay. But at least you got it done. I mean, the main thing was, wow, you got it done. Good job. Because I honestly thought, wow, you are not going to get that done. Okay. No, I mean, I know what it is, you know. Right. It just takes like half a day. It did take me half a day. Right. I started at like 8 in the morning, and it took me till about noon. Yeah, that's good. To get it done. Yeah. Because, you, you know, uh, here we are talking about it again. Sorry. But the other thing is, like, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, shit, right. Even though I didn't pay my student loans, you still get a statement from them and you have to fill in information about that. Oh, yeah. My 401k is a thing now. Oh, yeah. All my Robinhood shit. I have to right. go through all my options one by one and review them 
because the automatic uh, import fucks up everything. one field per transaction, and there's dozens of them. So I'm sitting there like, no, no. this is actually this, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So, well, yeah. When you have investments, it gets complicated. Yeah, I guess that's true. I like saving. I always giggle when they're like, did you earn any interest from a savings account? And I just laugh. I go, <laughs> no. Yeah, um, no, I have my 401k now. I have my speculative plays in the stock market and then a separate form for crypto. So there's three separate asset things classes, I have to deal yeah. with. The 401k being the easiest and then the fucking options trading being the most complicated. Right. And then the crypto just being a thing of like, oh, yeah, I did make money in 2021, but that market is so volatile that now I'm losing money. Yeah. So here's to next year where I get to write off some losses. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oof. I did well. listen to like a four-hour-long podcast today with Michael Saylor. Do you know who that is? Who? He's a very prominent investor. He's the head of a company called MicroStrategies, but he uh, is a big Bitcoin guy. And it, it was a, it was a little bit of a throwback to last year when I was more into crypto. I was I was in the Michael Saylor verse a lot, and then I heard him on Lex Friedman today. And, okay, you know, talking about how it's the future. The suited waiter with something on the spectrum. Yeah, the autistic Russian waiter. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't ever change the look. It's always the black suit. No, that's his brand. I mean, mm. you know, you got to stay on brand for the algo, man. That's how it works. That's why we're not successful. Because <laughs> one day we're on brand and we're like, oh, yeah, we're talking about the Whitney Biennial and Jasper Johns really passionately. And now we're like, we're t- talking about doing our taxes. <laughs> and people are like, we've already turned this We off. have hit skip. <laughs> should put a, we should put like markers in there in the description of like, if you don't want to hear about, please skip to. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we should. I should do that. It wouldn't be bad. Honestly, it would just amount to telling most people, skip the first 35 minutes of Get to the show. good shit, yeah. Really are, you know, I was thinking about this in editing an after show the other day, because I was like, sometimes I nix after shows entirely. Like, if we're too drunk and it's just like, <laughs> right from the jump, <laughs> yeah. if it sounds bad, it's yeah. just off the table. Yeah. But I, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe I could just edit together some of the lost ones, just like take out good sections and put like four of them together, and that would be an hour. Yeah. Because that, that's always possible. That's a lot of work for me, though. Mm. Um, But I was like, yeah, almost our podcast kind of should be that. Like, we should just record like four times a week <sighs> for an hour <sighs> and then take the best 15 minutes from all four times. And that would be a really what, good like show. What, like it's a vignette show? Yeah. Ugh. Like, so like much short more films, you know? So no, it is so work. much more work. If we, you know, if we had a little extra Patreon money and we could hire a producer to, to do it, do everything, mm. that would be the best part. Or if someone wanted to volunteer to be our producer. We're not, we don't do volunteers. We don't do interns at, in the Green and Lewis HQ. Thank you so much. Hey, we don't make enough money around here to be paying people, okay? We're paying you in experience. <laughs> I don't think you can get school credit for that. Uh, I just go over to this apartment where these guys like get kind of like hammered like four times a week, and I just uh, make a podcast out of it. Mm-hmm. What know. was that school at NYU where you make up your own major? Gallatin. Yeah, we should go to Gallatin and see if there's anybody majoring in podcasting and being like, we have an internship. Do you know you. how much richer they are than we are? Slave, order Drizzly. It's time for the after show. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go. My Uber Black is here, and I'm going to go back to my dorm. Bye. Well, guess what? Next week, we're recording in your apartment, Trish. 
Oh, I have a story about that for the after show. Oh, boy. Resentment about nice apartments and rich children. Okay. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> just just doxing yourself all over the place. Anywho. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, no, I'm tr- I, was, I'm, I was like, yeah, let's get it out of the way. And I'm like, oh, I could have just gone to the gym. Shit. It's pretty late to go to the gym. It's dark now. I know. But I would like... If there was parking, I brought a, I brought like my little tote bag and was like, maybe I'll go. And then I was like, I'm not walking through the mall in gym clothes to have teenagers heckle my skinny pale legs. Oh, come on. You were talking about going after work. You're yeah. saying, is there one, is there a pee fit where you work no. in the mall? No, but oh. like on the way home, just like drive. Yeah. That's the way to do it, man. You should have done that. Yeah. Well, I also was like, I tired. But I don't know. We talked about it last week. You you started your fitness journey, and yeah. you're actually carrying it through. Shocking. You've gone twice now or more? Twice. Twice, yeah. I was really shocked when you came home from work one day, and we're like, I got to go hit the gym. You got to go the, go to the gymnasium. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, and I was like, I got an iPad and a drink here. <laughs> I'm a little busy right now. Oh, how the tables have turned. I know. It's uh, really, you know, it's really shattering my world. I keep thinking about it, and I'm like, one of these days, I'll get up off the couch. I can't let this happen. <laughs> I, I cannot allow do this I wanna, to happen. Do I, do I need to tell you how many pounds just having a couple salads and restricting your diet and running twice? Lost? You already lost weight? Yeah. No, come on. What, two pounds? Four pounds? I don't know. I mean, it is. I it, literally it, have not been eating any of the normal shit. You haven't been eating like, carbs, really? You know, sandwiches? No, not really. I mean, the most carbs no I had was... No. No Chipotle. Only salads for lunch every day. Yes. That's huge. And then today was my treat day of having those little shitty raviolis. And I was like, well, a little carby cheesy. 660 calories. All right, great. Yeah. I mean, if you're paying attention to your calories, I believe it. I believe it. Because a lot of that's just bloat and water weight. So if you're not drinking a lot and you flush your system out with some fiber and less carbs. Wild. Yeah. And you exercise a couple times. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, It was wild. I think it was, I was like, was I just bloated for like a year? I might've just been bloated. This shirt used to not button correctly. I mean, it is it is bloat, but that's legitimate weight gain too. I mean, the first seven to ten pounds is just bloat. Damn. But then that's when the real challenge begins. Hmm. To get any more toned than that is much more difficult. Well, yeah, I, we're not done. After I'm, two I'm, weeks, you'll be down ten pounds. I bet. That's insane. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. Actually, I fu- it sounds fucking great. Sign me up. But like, yeah, it's very weird to be like. Was I like puffy and bloated? I guess I was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to agree to was I puffy and bloated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you absolutely were. I didn't mean it directed at you specifically, although mm. true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you you made fun of me at one point because I was taking shirtless selfies as, as fitness tracking a couple years ago. I did not make fun of you for that. Yes, you did. No. You may not remember that you did, mm-hmm. but I did. But you did. But uh, I was doing that because it's really hard if you're just um, perceiving yourself in the mirror day by day. Right. The the gradual nature of it is imperceptible. But if you take a picture like twice a week, right. by the end of especially a month, hmm. you compare and contrast and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like really, there's inches Palpable. missing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And your face is like, you know, more chiseled. Mm-hmm. That's the best part, actually, because all the bloat goes away in your face and your jawline comes back. Unfortunately, not your hair. But <sighs> listen, <laughs> there's only so much we can do in, on this earth. <laughs> I'm fine being like, you know, middle aged and bald. I'm fine with that. I have a beard. I have a luscious beard. It's fine. 
but like you know do you want to be like paunch and like middle age and i'm like eh. a little paunch is fine but like we're, we're starting too early you know gotta gotta ease into that i want to be like a hot 36 year old yeah prime of life for a man right yeah okay is it is it though it absolutely it absolutely is late 30s early 40s are the best men ever look I feel like this is like, th- you know, they talk about second puberty hmm. in like your late 20s. And really? I'm like, huh, am I like going through it in my third, like third version? Because I'm like, why do I have like acne all of a sudden again? What is this? Hmm. Why is this? I don't know. It's all the grotesque hormones in our food and stuff. I swear to God. Probably. I mean, you know. Trader Joe's especially is just loaded with chemicals. Let's, let's not turn the frog skate right now, please. Thank you so much. I mean, it is just true. But Tr- it, Trader Joe's food is heavily processed unless it's just like produce or, or like lettuce in a bag. Mm. They say it's not. They but, say it's not. But it is. You know? Why do you think it's so cheap? Because uh, it doesn't have a brand associated with it. It's about brand stuff, too. Well, I don't know. They make generic things at exactly the same. They're exactly the same product as name brand things. Yeah, but it's So like, I don't think that's why. Yeah. It all comes from the same place. They're just buying more of it wholesale. And then repackaging it. Yeah. It's like the do you do you know those world's best chocolate bars that baseball teams used to sell in like the white oh, wrapper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kinda like that where you buy the like the bulk boxes at like Costco and then you give it to like teams and you're like a dollar a piece and you're like, We're cleaning up. I only paid thirty five dollars for the pallet. Woo You know, like that kind of shenanigans. That chocolate was the worst, by the way. Um, well, yeah, you realize that's what all businesses are. <laughs> that's a, that's essentially just what a business is, is a yeah. thing, uh, anything that sells a product mm. is a place that buys the most wholesale. So they get the best deal and then they mark it up the most. That's what a yeah. brand is. That's what a company does. You know, well, you got to shop around, find the best factory and then you go, I'll take a shitload of that because I love margins. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It, yeah. I love a margin too. It's fine. Well, you love butter, not margarine. It can be both. I can't believe it's not margins. <laughs> um, you know. Uh anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I I do believe it. We'll find out. We'll find out, you know, post doctor visit if I'm going through third puberty. Can't wait for that. What are you getting like a physical or something? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's good. What do they do? I haven't had one. I haven't had one since I was a teenager. Mm. I mean, I remember they they touch your balls and make you cough. Fine. Hopefully you don't have cancer or something. Mm. They might do prostate at this point in your life, which you'll enjoy. Uh, and not a bottom. Never mind. Sorry. Thank Bad you. Joke. <laughs> um, I was like, where are you going with that one? I, yeah. Uh, we're, we're wiping that from the record. <laughs> the court doesn't recognize that The court does not joke. recognize that joke. Um, do they take blood? Definitely. I feel like they will because they'll be like, we have to check. They're going to run a lot fatty. of tests. They're going to, yeah, they're going to run a lot of tests. Oh, great. That always scared me. You know, I, I avoid the physical because what scares me is like they're running blood tests for like pretty anodyne things. Right. But then they're like, oh, so, oh we found the cancer. And it's like, I just, <sighs> I just don't want to know. I do not want to know. Eh. I'm taking my, my dear departed grandmother's approach, which is just never find out until it's too late i mean that's fine if you're elderly and then it's all downhill from there well yeah fast too yeah yeah no 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 no. you know i would like to like not have a like precipitous decline before the age of 40 you know not that i'm like thinking of my morbidity but i'm like 
I don't want to get to the point of having to think about my morbidity and be like, ooh, this is a disaster zone. You mean your mortality. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know words. I've been talking all day. Nothing Nothing matters. Uh, the words I say do not matter um, or make sense, quite frankly. Um, are you sure you're not thinking about your mortality? You probably are. Uh, no, not really. I don't really care. Really? I don't really. I, I often joke that I'm like, I'm going to go play in traffic. I'm fucking done. But... Uh, no, I, I am just thinking like down the road, we'll have to worry about this. Let's get the worrying started, you know, and over with so we don't worry about it later. Yeah, that's smart. Like, let's, you know, patch up the walls, put some toothpaste in the screw holes and just make sure that like, you know, the body's not fully falling apart. I don't know. You don't have much, you know, when you don't have much in this life, you're like, well, eh, I guess I should like check on the organism i inhabit it as much as i try to uh dismiss its ab- you know complete and actual ex- existence right are you sure you're not just embracing the right-wing trend of fitness oh i'm going tad tradcath you didn't see that article in the atlantic <laughs> no i have no fucking idea <laughs> what what now the, the, there was an article what in the, fucking now in the atlantic that was saying that um that uh fitness is alt-right Excuse me? Wanting to go to the gym has been colonized by uh, conservative men. I mean, you know what? If they go at like five in the morning, yeah. Yeah, it is. That's rise and grind culture people, though. Like, that's not necessarily all right. No, it's not. N- nothing about it is all right. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess like... What? I don't know. Like, what's... The whole article was <sighs> about how like totalitarian regimes always prized fitness as like a part of their propaganda like in the soviet union and in nazi germany which is true but, but like they were all fatties at the top well like goering was a fatty they weren't all fatties a lot of fatties. just him just really he just was him. huge he was enough to you know throw some extra weight on yeah i ones. mean but that, that's not the point the point is just that like yeah it is true that that was used in like bad propaganda but being fit is a good thing like, why would you... Uh, I don't know. Why would you... Go- it's because obesity is a population control device. What? Yeah, I mean, not in a not in a centralized way. Nobody ever sat down and organized that. But um, declining life expectancy and birth rates and uh, bad health overall is a good thing for why? the powers that be. Oh. For insurance bills? Yeah, not, not only for, like, propping up all sorts of industries, healthcare, food... Um, but it keeps a population uh, compliant and cowed because they can't resist. They can't resist anything when you're in ill health. Oh, it's good to have a lot of your population in ill health. Huh. Of course, it's not good to have declining birth rates, but you know, hey, you got to work with what you got. I mean, one leads to the other. I mean, you know. Yeah, but you're not. You know, you're not allowed to fat shame. So none of this stuff is real. Uh, are you it's sure? Alt-right. Are you sure you can't just a little bit? No, just you should just a little bit. I mean, if if anybody was serious, like. Well, if anybody was serious about something like COVID, the number one thing they would be talking about is obesity. The only reason right. we have more deaths than other countries is that reason. We've talked I thought about we all this knew, many Yeah, times. I thought we all knew that, though. Well, everybody does know that, but it's right. not publicly acknowledged. Why doesn't, why doesn't the health department or the CDC or the NIH talk about, hey, like, just fucking <coughs> take care of yourself? This is a very Joe Rogan point. People can listen to his podcast if they want to hear it. But, yeah, it's true. I mean... It's strategically not discussed. It was. It was like, hey, 
Hey, you little little, little chunky. Maybe uh, maybe get a double mask. Get one of those KN95s. No, I had an instance where someone told me they went to their doctor, and their doctor was like, you know, all your health problems would be solved if you just lost some weight. And they described their doctor as old school. Oh. So it's it's been internalized by people that it's bad to talk oh, yeah. about being fat. Oh, yeah. There was that article like a year ago that it was like, my doctor fat shamed me. Yeah. And I was like, what? What's their job, though? Like, I don't know. Granted, like, I was listening to like a high and mighty thing where I was like, it's like, hey, we just want to talk to you about like eating better. And he's like, I know. Like, like, I have a mirror. It's fine. But like, they're like, but we kind of have to like uh, just tell you like uh, can you take care of yourself our job is very hard dealing with you yeah i mean i'm sure it's an awkward conversation for doctors to have because seven out of ten people they have to tell that to and none of them want to hear it but even like you know like slightly overweight people technically fall into the obese category just because of bmi yeah and i'm like i'm obese fuck i have so much fat you're not obese your B your BMI doesn't qualify as obese. Uh, no way, dude. Back rolls. That doesn't matter. I think the BMI for obesity is like twenty five. Oh, no, never mind. Okay, uh, we'll find out. You're you're not you're not that. I hope the man takes out the little like pincher things and like squeezes my gut and goes oof. Oof. Oh no. Well, I've spent all this time fat shaming you, and you just need it officially done by somebody in a lab coat. Yeah. Should yeah. I just have put on some nitrile gloves and like squeezed your rolls, and then you, you would have taken it seriously? Don't so. threaten me with a good time, sweetie. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. I'm, I this one, I'm like, hi. I'm trying to lose four pounds for doctor. <laughs> Hello, doctor. No, I'm sure they're going to tell you that you're in great shape. I think you have nothing. Do you know to... how terrible that would be? I'd be like, no, just lie to me. You have to. Shit. I mean, listen, man. Relative to the normals that they see, right? You are. Mm. It's on like West Seventeenth. I'm sure there's a lot of fit people going in there. I'm sure there's a ton of not fit people too, man. It's Oof. still America. I mean, I know, New York true. has a higher hit rate of hot people than most places, mm -hmm. but nonetheless. I mean, right. because you're not even, you know, setting aside obesity, you're talking about fucking people doing drugs you're talking about people with right. aids you're talking about all sorts of crazy shit you know yeah, he psychic problems like you're right you're probably you're fine you're you're in you're in the you're in the one percent of americans that are mostly okay hmm. financially you're doomed yeah i mean you might find a little like you know like a little sauce you know sauce dish of like leftover chlamydia or something i don't know maybe hmm yeah Long chlamydia. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked enough about long COVID. We, I'm here to talk to you today about long chlamydia. Do you ever just wonder, hmm, what was that? Once every three months? Let me tell you about long chlamydia. <laughs> hmm. Time for another booster. <laughs> you know, if there was a boosty for, I mean, that would just be... That would be a terrifying. Thing. I mean, there basically is. You just get it again. You just get a shot. You do the same <laughs> shit. Know? Yeah. Oh, what There's if they... infinite boosters for chlamydia? That's just called penicillin. Yeah. That's not a booster. It doesn't prevent the next. It's round. like a health pack in a video game. They're just lying around, and you pick them up. <laughs> just stab your ass and <laughs> yeah. hope for the best. Jesus Christ. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Oh man, you know, I read the. Uh, I forget the guy's name because it wasn't a critic I was familiar with, but I read the review in the New York Times of the 1993 biennial. 
Oh. And huh. it was fantastic. Wasn't it Kimmelman? I'm actually going to find it right now because... I think it was Michael Kimmelman at the time. I wish you had like a cue for like ad music so I could just improv. <laughs> Do you sometimes wonder where oh, the... Oh, god uh, damn it. Paywall? No, apparently Roberta Smith wrote one too and it's not... Just now? It's not the good one. No, no. Oh. She wrote one in 1993 that of oh. course is glowing, but I want the one from the white man who hates it. <laughs> Well, this is why, you know, we couldn't have 1993 part two again. God damn it. Never mind. I'm cutting this part out. We're never, I'm never going to find it. Who cares anyway? Great. Yeah, I'm like, why are we rehashing? Well, I uh, wanted to read segments of it because there there was literal sentences where you wouldn't have been able to tell that it was written back then except for its level of judgment. Oh. Like it, well, it, it yeah. described this biennial and um, just a lot of current like political strains. Right. It really made me feel like, oh, we are trapped in a loop. Well, like, we are in a stagnant society. We are literally just doing the 90s over again, like culture wars and stuff. It's yeah. exactly the same shit, except now everybody's on board. Instead of most people being off board and a few people being like, we're into this, you know? Now it's right. a few people are like, this sucks. Yeah. And most people are like, this is great. Well, it's just completely inverted, but it's exactly the same thing. Well, this is what we talked about the other day. Like, imagine the horseshoe, the horseshoe turn, the the figure eight turn that we're now living through. That's true. Yeah. You know, so if you think of of horseshoe theory, where if you go around 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 the bend from right to left, left to right, whatever, you you get close to the other side. You know where the little horsey hooves are, or the back of the horse. I don't know how horseshoes actually fit on horses. Um, the ends. But we're now at a point where it, it's starting to twist in, in three dimensions around into a figure eight shape. Where if you go alt-right enough, sometime, you somehow ended up a Marxist. You know. And same, well, same we, way the other way. What we were talking about the other night is that, you know, horseshoe theory to me always seemed like bullshit. Because I didn't, underst- I didn't understand what's, what like centrists or unaligned people were talking about when they said that because it was like of course not like it's just fundamentally different analysis how could you ever converge on the same dynamics right but what is happening now is it seems like um i guess politically things have kind of inverted where that there's there's a lot of like disillusioned left people that end up seeming really conservative and then there's a certain segment of conservatives not most of them that are starting to make like left-ish statements of points yeah um and where we landed on that when you're talking about this kind of like convergence and um rather than thinking about it as a horseshoe where they just meet they actually start to cross paths and turn into a new circle it's the most perfect illustration of a dialectic like hegel came up with this in the 19th century that is how history moves according to him in in these cycles where like you know do you think it's also because it's like the same shape as like a double helix man the twisting of the the two lines well i know you're doing like a stoner impression um but it is that you know oh boy you know like i heard the other day i forget where that a lot of really important scientific discoveries uh especially prior to mass telecommunication where there was you know, global interaction in an instant. A lot of major scientific discoveries were discovered independently, like within days of each other Hmm. in a way that's like very mysterious because 
you know, this actually the invention of photography is a pretty good example because it's always the um, confrontation is between Henry Fox Talbot and Daguerre in France. We think of France and Britain as being like, well, of course they knew about each other, but no, right. they didn't. It I mean, be, being across the English Channel in the 1840s, like the, you know, it was like it was like Lord of the Rings. People didn't leave their shire, you know. It was there without short. I mean, Jesus. It was very rare that you went to Rivendell, let alone to Mordor. Okay. So non-nerds skip to. <laughs> so when you're talking about the invention of photography, they more or less discovered it simultaneously. I mean, I think historians eventually figured out it was kind of. I don't think it's entirely clear, but it seems like it was actually Fox Talbot, but he didn't figure out a way to fix the photographs, and Daguerre figured out how to fix uh, okay. them first more permanently, so his process is better known than Talbot's process. Okay. But anyway, that discovery happened within like a year of each other, I think even months, actually, um, because when a process is documented is different from when it's discovered. Was it 1830s, 1831? No, eighteen forty one, eighteen forty two. Okay, I think the invention of photography is pegged to eighteen forty, eighteen forty one. Okay, uh, but again, that's different from when it's finally documented, right? right? So, like the first daguerreotype, I think, is from eighteen forty two. That famous picture of like a rooftop in France. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That almost looks like nothing. It's I mean, al- it's it's it, barely. It's an such image, a limited yeah. exposure with um, that's barely light fast to the point where when you see it it almost looks abstract but it's just a picture of a rooftop out his window because the exposure was like two days long or something you know anyway but that's a kind of a good example where it's like independently a major discovery was made more or less at the same time by two parties that didn't know about each other right how can that be and that is kind of interestingly explained when you're thinking about historical forces right like uh ideas floating around and then the material technologies that make that possible converge simultaneously in time and in space but in different places so makes sense right that they that that would happen that was gonna happen in 1840 somewhere somewhere probably wasn't gonna happen in happen in africa or south america so it happening twice in europe Makes sense. Makes That's sense. Highest yeah. level of technological development, the political and thought currents of the were... kind to do so, uh, to, of the kind to want to do such a thing as fix an image. Right, going in that direction. So, right. so it happens there. So, when you're making the stoner joke of is is it like because of the double helix? Well, it, when you think about like Hegel in the middle the middle 19th century, I I can't remember when the double helix was discovered. I think it was in the early 20th century. Um, but really, that's just sort of a reflection of an idea that was going on. Like, science might not have been looking for that shape. Right. If yeah. it wasn't for a philosophical current that had taken form in the prior decades, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it And it always it makes you wonder, like, are we, are we discovering... People, people make this assertion about math. Like, is math discovered or is it invented? Because it's not a, ma- it's not a material thing, right? Yeah. So you don't know when you come up with a new novel equation in in mathematics whether you invented it or whether it's an element of the natural world that you just then discovered. Right. It's a great example because it's immaterial. Yeah. It's a little bit easier to track like technological development and figure out like, oh, these coincidences make sense. Yeah. given a certain level of development of stuff and stuff in the world yeah 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 so I, I i if we're talking about like one would argue the numbers are always there it's just have you 
bothered to look at organizing them in such a way yet. Well, is that true, you know, because eventually when quantum mechanics comes along and they discover the observer principle that says like an observer interacting with an experiment affects the result. Wait, so it is true a watch pot never boils, really? Really, that's what we were going for, trying to figure that one out? I mean, that's not I mean, that's not a great example. The the pot is the ostensibly the pot would boil whether you were there or not, I don't but know. it takes a really long time when you're there. The quantum mechanical thing is just that on some imperceptible level, this is not on a human level. Right. You can't perceive the difference, um, but there is like a difference of arrangement of subatomic particles according to whether or not you're looking at it. Yeah. Why? Because the mm, because the light is moving different. Like, I, listen, I don't know. I don't, enu- know. I don't know enough about the science to be able to determine that. But I would imagine that it is something like that. Like you, you can only interact. We can only interact even with our best technology on something on the scale of like protons, neutrons, and electrons. Beyond that, you can't image a thing. Right. It's not even um, a physical entity capable of being captured in any real form. Like when they capture things in a particle collider. When they break atoms apart, it's just the impact of those things on a surface or like in a matrix. It's not the things themselves. You're only seeing the traces of what they leave behind. That's all the proof we have of them. You can't actually observe them. There is no way because light doesn't function at that small of a scale. Huh. So it's the dark psychic forces, what you're saying. Well... That's a perfect segue, because is it dark psychic forces? When we when we start talking about forces in a spiritual sense, right? Um, and then we talk about our technological development and our scientific discoveries, and they coincide sometimes, right? Uh, well, what are we really talking about? It's like it, it's a it's huh. it, it's this thing we were talking about at the end of the last episode, talking about Jasper Johns, something that is like so simple and fundamental, but almost impossible to understand. You know, it's a problem in aesthetics in a different way. Right. But it's a problem in all things. Huh. I mean, hmm. sorry, I'm in my brain, it's <laughs> in my brain. It's just like, is the, are the energies in the room with us right now, son? You know, like that level of like, <laughs> or like, I feel Jesus in this, this, you know, dance hall here tonight or whatever the fuck it's called or bingo hall, you know, like is like. Because, like, it's very easy to speak in the abstract with, you know, energy scare quotes, right? Like, it, like we, we get that, and it's it's a fun it's a fun goof. But, like, you know, it's very often we talk about, like, oh, you manifested that. I don't know what to tell you. Like, oh, dirty condom in Philadelphia? You manifested that with your shitty energy. I don't know. Like, you drew that from whatever wall it was stuck to to be right in front of your feet. Like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to say I'm a non-believer. But uh, it happens to be true a lot. Like, you know, it, the, when it comes to the imperceptibility of things or evidence of actions in the world, it's like, I don't know. It gets very, it's more, again, it's better when it's funny. Well, the philosophical debate or just the part that's difficult to intuit is ascribing intention to things. Right. That's always the fundamental disagreement you're having with anybody. Whenever your face gets red and you suddenly have a moment of like what they just said was wrong or what I just felt wasn't the correct response. Hmm. Anytime you're having like some friction in the world with an idea, what you're thinking about actually is where did it come from? 
And the only disagreement you're having with a person conversationally is where you ascribe intention to problems. Hmm. So to circle back to the horseshoe theory thing. Right. The reason that it's kind of interesting right now to see like political ideologies um, cross paths and sort of switch positions in certain circles is where do you ascribe intention? Where does your analysis come from? And right now, like what was conventionally understood as right wing analysis and what was conventionally understood as left wing analysis, we've just made the intersection into a new dialectic. So they have a lot of things in common, which is weird, like, um, you know. Tucker Tucker Carl ah, Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones are making oddly um, accurate material assessments of certain problems, but then they ascribe the intention in a different way. Right, and people, um, in a certain kind of like post Bernie post left environment, are making similar material analysis to what they're making, but then they inscribe the intention in a different way. Right, and that's the only difference. Yeah, they yeah. actually they actually sh- share the same fundamental analysis. And then extrapolate from it based on their assumptions in a different way, hmm. and then that re- and then that reforms into an into a new kind of zone over the course of another couple decades where those positions clarify. Uh, or it's like magnets where it's drawn together, and then again that intentionality intentionality that you're talking about, you know, the two magnets, you know, if they're too close to each other, they have to split apart. Well, and then maybe yeah. come back. You know, does uh, is that a good metaphor? I don't know. Uh, well, well, that's the process of history unfolding. Like so, but Hegel's idea was that eventually that process would stop. Huh. Like people always ascribe the end of history to Francis Fukuyama, but he was quoting Hegel. Oh, like in <laughs> Hegel's lectures on history, that's what he talks about as being the eventual end end result of these dialectics. Is not that it's an infinite thing, but that eventually they resolve. And you get marks after that saying, well, this is a, a possible proposition for a resolution, communist utopia, right? Um, materialists take the reins because at the end of the day, Hegel was an idealist. He was only dealing with like the realm of the immaterial world. The mind and ideas are what drives history. And Marx says, no, economics is what drives history. And if that is true, we can control it and we can make the utopia here on earth. Right. So you get... You know, fascism and communism come directly out of like this idea, basically. One comes out of Heidegger and one comes out of Marx. Hmm. Or rather, one comes out of Nietzsche and one comes out of Marx. Um, both, yeah. both talk about the death of God, but one is nihilistic and one is utopian, right? And then you see the, the political threads that are the people implementing the theories, Lenin and Mussolini. Well, yeah. Um. But the idea was that it was resol- would resolve. So when Francis Fukuyama writes that book in the early 90s, The End of History, about the fall of the Berlin Wall and stuff, he was saying the dialectic has been resolved. That doesn't mean that there won't be historical events. It just means that there's only one total system, not two opposing magnets. Right. But we live at an interesting moment because there is two opposing magnets, and, they ju- and they've just switched polarities. And Which that's weird, what, yeah. where all the craziness is coming from and why I say dark psychic forces, because we just don't know. And you stole it from Marianne. I stole it from Marianne, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little, I don't know. Because she intuited it, like, uh, correctly. From, like, a different, com- a completely different angle. From, like, an, a new age angle. But she's not wrong. Right. I mean, it's, it just gets, you know, like, I, I want to just, like, you know, once again, like, just describe to the viewer. Just imagine in your head. Take that horseshoe. It's a flat, flat, a th- flat in your brain, you know, horseshoe. It has, you know 
depth and dimension, but then start to like just cross it over and twist it, try to twist it back on itself while also stretching it or twist it back on itself and make a bigger U shape, like a double teardrop situation. Yeah. I mean, well, that has a name, you know, it's called a manifold. There you go. It's a single surface. I don't, I couldn't remember the words that, um, basically folds into a semi figure eight shape in three dimensions it's a it's a paradoxical object because it's only one surface but it appears as if it has two the mobius strip idea yes yeah exactly um it's a great metaphor for human perception it's sort of that flatland idea of we're actually like stuck on a plane that we don't really understand Uh but it's moving in a higher dimensional space Hmm. and even if you're aware of that you don't perceive it, so how can you really understand it? Right. Um, that's the key to understanding anything, is like g- getting beyond dichotomy and starting to really internalize Ooh. the idea that there are abstractions that are real, that are immaterial. Right. And then when you frame your thinking like that about any particular subject, that's where you actually can have ideas and have some depth. Well, that that's generative. I don't, if, I don't know if I don't know if it's generative. I think it has the possibility of. But if you're stuck in dichotomy, you're not getting out of you're not the squash court is locked. Yeah, you're you're parroting things in flatland space. Right. You're taking pre-digested ideas that do involve the higher realm and you're giving a low resolution summary of complex yeah. ideas, but to actually you're not hold on the tennis in court in your mind yeah. a paradoxical geometry. Is really difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to do that around anything, anytime. It's challenging. Mm. Is it? I think it is. It takes a lot of discipline. I mean, along the lines of this Jasper Johns article, right? Right. That we talked about last time. Like, it's hard work to be free. Like, this is the idea is you you use dichotomies because it's all you've got. Language also structures your thinking. That's true. So you can't truly escape it um but interestingly like we talked to ulrika in that in our green and lewis like group thread about it a little bit um she equated some experiences in her spiritual practice and like talking to other people with what we were talking about in a dry analytic way about john's right like yeah getting beyond subjective and objective getting beyond hard and soft like whatever you know polarity you want to establish that's the low resolution way of thinking and talking. Right. Which of course you're stuck with. But when you're disciplined enough about any particular practice that you're serious about and you do that long enough over time, this also applies to working out hmm. to circle back to that. Yeah. Uh, it opens new ways of thinking. Right. Or actually it doesn't open new ways of thinking. You're stuck in the same ways of thinking, but you understand them more broadly. Well, that, that's better than just going like, uh, why are the boundaries over there? I don't know. You've never, expo- you, you, you know, if you can't push yourself to any kind of limit of trying to understand a thing, what kind of what good are you at picking it apart or no, you are unknowing and accepting. Sure. Right? I, but, I but, know, I, I but, you know, one of dating this right. What but. that makes me think of is having sympathy for common people. Right. Because somebody that says the boundaries are what they are and I just don't really think about it that much is radically honest in a way that I appreciate. Um, I'm not up for this challenge and I like my naivete. I, or it's, you know, that's yeah. already addressing a space they're not thinking about. Right. They're just saying, I don't understand it and that's okay with me. 
And in a way, you're more in touch with the world that way. Because all of these manifold possibilities, they don't need to occur to you for you to experience them. You know, like David Foster Wallace talks talks about this a lot. Like He, he was accused a lot of being um, sort of pretentious, but putting on a humble persona just to sort of get by with other people. And he would always say like, no, I realize that I'm smarter than other people, but that doesn't mean that my intelligence is meaningful. Right. Um, other people's depth and breadth of experience is just as rich as mine, and I never make the mistake to assume otherwise. Right. Uh, the people that are a problem are people that commit to boundaries, not people what, that yeah. avoid boundaries. Yeah. It's the people that say the boundaries are established and they're all that is. So I've picked the left one or I've picked right. the right one. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, if you just are like, oh, that's the boundary. It's like, it's like, okay, are you, it's like a boxer fighting corner situation. Like, oh, I found my corner. These, these are the corners I know. I shan't go a field because I know that the borders lead to somewhere, but I, I don't know if I want to leave the ones that I know. Yeah. Which, I mean, we're just describing closed-mindedness, but like, Right, but you can it, also do that to yourself accidentally. You absolutely can, and you can do it by trying to be well intentioned. Like I think a lot of people that would consider themselves liberal or left people right now, through good intentions, have boxed themselves in, into a closed mindedness to the extent that they endorse segregation. You know, wait, what to use like a pretty whoa extreme example? I mean, you, no, 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 like like. <laughs> what? It, like in colleges, they're doing like separate seminars and stuff for black and or well POCs and white students. Um, what? Why? What? No. Because in the in their warped reality, it makes sense that fixed identity categories can never relate to each other. Therefore, they can't <sighs> be taught in the same way about the same things. That's the point of college, though. Well, yeah, I know, but what I'm telling you is that that's beco- that's becoming outdated because people that are committed to boundaries have committed to a weird horseshoe theory of boundaries. Oh boy, it's part of the reason that when we're talking about this similarity between like Tucker Carlson and I don't know post left meme lords or whatever. There's also a similarity now between uh, the most committed identity politics people and the KKK. They sa- they share the same fundamental analysis of the world, which is there's fixed identity categories that can never be transcended. Uh, therefore, there's no reason to pretend otherwise. We should just segregate. But they do it from different intentions. The oh. left says our intentions are good, and the KKK says that our intentions are malicious. Same fundamental analysis different intentions that's always what it's about yeah i mean like i mean the other day you were like would you ever like you know as you know as a like thought experiment at some point you're like you would probably talking to me you would probably sit down with someone from the kkk i'd be like i i mean i wouldn't say no because i would like to know where they get their dry cleaning done (laughs) a it's a good joke fuck you b honestly that's true because here's the thing do you have any semblance of what community can be because obviously, like, if you just under, like, or you're really good at, like, bleaching. I don't, also, tell me your secrets. Like, not not those. Not the bad ones. <laughs> not the bad ones. I don't want to know. I want to see the membership card. I want to know. I, oh, you want to see the membership? I don't know. I don't want to see that. But I'm like, listen, like, how you move through the world is so fundamentally, you know, like, that's a kind of disordered thinking, to go back to that. Like, because it is so much about, like 
a doubling of identity, but also like coming from a place of hate that also is shameful because you have to live a double. Like I'm like, this is weird. Like y'all ever suck a dick. You sound like you're in the closet. Like what are we, what are we doing here? Like, you know, like there's so much that's like, you, you don't really get to experience the breath of the world because you are like, you know, you can't even trust someone to do your dry cleaning because they'd be like, Hmm, a lot of sheets here, you know, like, like how would you get to understand a person just by that question of like, how do you interact with your community to get those white so white? Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I, I think the reason that they do it is to finally establish community. I think most of the is reason when you really, yeah, I think most of the reason when you really drill down on why anybody joins any group, however problematic or unproblematic, it's just to find a sense of belonging. That's all that it is. Um, and in terms of white supremacists, I, you know, I think the mostly they're people with pretty uh, awful upbringings that end up identifying with false narratives out of a sense of wanting to belong to somewhere because a lot of the world does tell them that they don't belong anywhere. Right. Um, it's not that hard to understand. I, like and, in and the 90s, someone would have really like cashed in, sorry to cut you off, but someone should have cashed in and be like, we're taking a member of the Crips and we're going to sit him down with a KKK member and well, see no, how, no, no. how honest, how similar the things are, you know, like. Well, no, th- this did happen. It did? Yeah, I mean, you, you can go on YouTube. I mean, you know, there's the obvious examples of, like, Maury doing this oh. for, like, public spectacle. But, like, yeah, that was a thing in the culture wars of the 90s, yeah. Huh. Um, there's a guy named Daryl Davis that's a black guy that is uh, and a musician, but just because of a chance encounter in a bar, he is personally responsible for getting several hundred Ku Klux Klan members to renounce their robes. Huh. Just because he'll talk to them. He's like, I'm a black dude, and like, you know, have you ever talked to me? Right. And they're like, no, not really. And then they just have conversations, and eventually they're like, oh, yeah, you're like pretty chill. Never mind. <laughs> like, that's all it really takes. But, right. but, but because they've been, uh, because of their unfortunate circumstances for the most part. Um, not that we're being sympathizers. I think we're just be sympathizing to people who well, really listen, are just stuck in to throw all it, people. To throw it bad, back to the 90s, you know? like the ACLU has become a really bastardized institution, but that used to be an organization of lawyers who were mostly Jews that defended the Ku Klux Klan's right to do their marches and stuff. Oh, boy. Um, because there was a point in time, as hard as it is to understand now, that freedom of speech meant hearing something that you don't like from someone that you don't want to hear it from. and nobody understands that anymore but the reason that that exists is so that you can extend empathy across seemingly impossible gaps it's the same reason that art exists so i don't feel bad sitting here sounding like a sympathizer or whatever because on the level of emotion i do sympathize with them on the level of isolation and alienation i do sympathize with them what that is not is an endorsement of their views right if you're getting that twisted in your mind that's your that's crazy yeah you know not mine but so yeah it's just to say that like you could say the same thing about a blue-haired, uh, Twitter-larping communist. They just want a sense of community. Those people just used to be regular Star Trek-ass nerds. Yeah. But I now they now they f- are trans or whatever. Like I'm serious. I know that's like inflammatory, but it's true. I think a lot. I think a lot of the excesses of the left can be explained by exactly the same excesses of the right. Well, everybody's spending too much time on the internet. Let's just clear that up. Of course. I mean, I think that's, you know, this is why I said, like, how do you understand what community is if you're, like, just so self-isolating? Which is, did we talk about that on here last time? A little bit, I think. Or was this a different thing of, like, you know, the bubbles, the tiny bubbles you live in? 
one can build for themselves. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit when it came to the Whitney Biennial. Like, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, along these same lines, I mean, this is a broader conversation, but when everything in society is aligned to keep you alone, right? when that's in your best interest at all times, according to basically the propaganda, um, yeah, you're going to end up in a bubble that only violently clashes with other bubbles. Right. Uh and that seems like you're making progress because you're arguing with the right people when what you should be doing is extending empathy to select groups. Build uh, a bigger bubble. Not being violent with them. Right. Well, but, you know, build a bigger bubble is a weird idea, too, oh, because th- this true. is what, like, yeah. Democrats say is, like, we have a big tent here. And all that really means... That's dirty. You know, well, I got my sweatpants on. I'll tell you what. <sighs> it's a bona fide Barnum and Bailey's over here. Okay, glasses are on the table. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I was joking about playing in traffic before, but now I need, need the traffic. Well, I hope you get some bad news at that physical so you don't have to put up with this anymore. <laughs> I would, I, I mean, who Turns knows? out you're not bald from genetics. You've had cancer. Congratulations. I mean, you never know. Doctor, I felt a lump. Oh, Sir, you just have a zit on your ass. Please stop trying to <laughs> shave. Um, you know. Oh, boy. But yeah, in summary, man, it's all it's all about empathy. Don't spend too much time on the internet getting isolated from other people and then assuming that because you have the correct take, you're yeah. actually thinking about anything you're not. Fair. I, also, I mean, controversially yet brave to say, if you're not good at being alone, don't do it harder and more. You know, yeah, I mean, I think you're in a position to say that. I mean that in all sincerity. Like, I love aloneness. I happen to be pretty fucking good at it, though. You know, like I, you know, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, gen- fair. Mm-hmm. I'm a self sufficient person, and you know, you can be good at it if you're aware of what you need and how you need to exist in a community, right? Like, if you are not, you know, achieving some level of self awareness about your needs of like i'm just an you know again i'm gonna bleach half my head and say i'm an introvert and a weirdo and (laughs) okay that's performing what you are is really just lonely um and you should put the bleach down bitch right genderless bitch um like you have to actually figure out what you're you know because what we're saying is like that's a cry for attention okay like we know like you know unless you're like you know, cutting down the tracks. We all know across the tracks is not really the thing. Like, Mary, talk to somebody. Figure out where what the community is and figure it out. Yeah. Again, again, unless you're really fucking good at it. Most, well, pe- most people aren't, but... Well, I think you would have to admit, right, that it's just your circumstances of your upbringing um, from a lot of different angles that have lucked you into a position where being alone is something that you're used to and feels natural and perhaps is even enjoyable. Right. Uh, that is very unusual. Humans are just genetically for 500,000 years meant to be social so that our species will propagate. Right. Um, most people are not that way. I think the mistake gets made when, being um alone or crying out for help gets fixed into an identity 
Yeah. That's what you don't want it to be. You're happy being alone, but that's not part of your identity. No. I don't think people would know that about you unless you talked about it, you know? Right. Because you can get along in society because you realize that's also a part of being alive. Right. Um, you never want to make your mental problems into a fixture, into something immovable. I think for me, this is why like therapy discourse or uh, over pathologizing and over medicating everybody is something that I'm against is like, no, you can always change. That's always possible. The moment you make that something to aspire to, you're making a darker society. That's an ego trip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you just basically just described the AA prayer. Well, yeah. Cheers. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.